Well, hello again. This is Shane and this is Heartlines. And this is episode 23 of my podcast and also episode five of my Edinburgh Festival Fringe series. Now, this episode, I have a, a local comic for me. He's a Dublin comedian, very funny guy indeed. His name is Danny O'Brien. How are you doing, Danny? Hey, Shane. How are you, man? All good. Now, you probably don't know me. Well, you may know me from around. Um, I remember you from the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. But tell people about you, Danny. Tell, let, let, what, what do people need to know about you? Yeah, I'm originally from Dublin, but I moved down to Wicklow, to Glendalough, when I was about nine. And, okay. uh, and I moved back up to Dublin again when I was about 17. So I was one of those... In Wicklow, I was kind of seen as a blow-in. And then when I moved back to Dublin, I was seen as a culture. So I'm like, you can't win, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, true. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I always kind of describe myself as a bit of a hybrid of sorts, you know? Yeah. But I, I got into comedy about over 12 years ago now. I kind of left Ireland when everyone... We were, when we were at, like, peak notions, when, you know, people were having cocaine for breakfast and buying apartments in City West for 450 grand for a one-bedroom and buying BMWs when they were on 30 grand a year. I left I left during all that um, to go to New Zealand and Australia. I was about 20, 22, I think. Okay. And um, I ended up kind of, it was meant to go to New Zealand, I think, for six months. And then I ended up staying there a little bit. And then I went to Australia. So I was actually nearly away for three years in total. Yeah. And um, I came home when I was about 25. And when I came home, it was, I think it was late 2008. And it was it was about two weeks before Ireland absolutely like like had like crumbled. Like I remember being in the car and the radio saying Ireland is officially in the worst recession in history. And I remember just sitting in I think I was driving my mother's car actually. Yeah, I didn't have a car. I think I was driving my mother's car just going, Oh, what have I done? What have I done? There was no work. People were getting their gas taken. It was, it was horrific. Like, we, I think we all forget about how grim it was, you know? Um, and then I was working in a pub, which I was lucky to have a job as well, by the way, because a lot of people didn't. Um, I was working in a pub that I'd worked in in college in town. It's now closed down, actually. It's called, um, it's called Scruffy Murphy's. And I was just in a bad place, man. I, I was a bit lost. I, I, I'd been making good money in Australia doing, like, construction furniture moving i was managing a bar at one stage i did every job going you know just traveling around you're kind of young free you don't really care you can do what you want and i didn't know what i was going to do with my life like it was just the, the future it couldn't have been darker and uh, it was actually my mother suggested that uh there was she saw a writing course somewhere it was like a comedy writing course and she's like you should do this you know blah 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 i hadn't actually been to that much stand up in ireland maybe one or two shows in my life like that was it did this workshop in Doyle's pub and I did it for, I think it was like six weeks or something. There was about eight or nine of us. And then you did a showcase at the end of it where you'd write a seven minute set and that kind of thing. And so that was my first gig. It was on the 15th of February and it was upstairs in Doyle's pub where they have the Ruby sessions and it was called the Post Valentine's Day Massacre. And I did my first set and um, it, loads of my mates and stuff came and it was, it went well for a first set, but when I think back in it now, I absolutely cringe. Barreling through it, just, just, I couldn't watch it. Like, you couldn't pay me to watch it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but at the time, it went, it went well, and I was happy. And then I did, like, Battle of the Axe. I think I won the Battle of the Axe then on my second gig, and I thought I was, thought I was a legend. And then my third gig was an absolute shit show. Like, just died on my arse. Awful. It was like Barry's Hotel, which I think is where, like, old people go to have affairs in the city centre. In, like, a tea and coffee room, man. It was like, it was like, it was just like that nightclub from intermission mixed with a tea and coffee room. Like, it was just, <laughs> and it was Mother's Day, actually, I think, because my, my mother was there. Oh, I was just, it was horrific. And then I just kind of kept gigging and just yeah. developed and worked and, then I started getting involved in the comedy crunch and it just kind of went from there, you know? So what year did you, did you start getting involved in the comedy crunch? Now you kind of own or you can run that comedy night in the Stag's Head in Dublin. Yeah. So I run that with Colin McGlinch. I don't know how long we were into. What are we in now? It was probably about 10 or 11 years ago. And they kind of already been running for about a month. And then I think at the time it was, it was monthly and it was looking at going up bi-monthly. And then it was looking to move weekly, I think, like that. And it was in the bottom. Of, uh, it was what, she being chic is what the venue was called at the time in town. And I wanted more MC experience. Colin was looking for MCs because I just wanted to get better faster. And I, like the only way, I think a really good way to get better faster as a comic is to host because it's more stage time. It, it forces you to get better, you know. 
And then we started doing that. I started running it with him. Um, and we just kind of, it just kind of went from there. Then I, I, I did a, I did a few own spots, I think, for the Laughter Lounge. And then I did the FM 104 thing. So it was about 2013, so it's about seven years ago. Nice. And I won that Dublin's FM 104, Dublin's Funniest Comedian. And uh, when, I, when I did Dermot, I did three Dermot and Dave tours. Dermot used to always intro me at the start from the side. He'd go, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest act. This guy's done this, this, this. And he, was a, he always gave me a deadly intro. And then yeah. he'd go, uh, he won Dublin's Funniest Comedian which is hilarious because he's actually from Wicklow. And then uh, he'd bring me on. But it really worked down the country because when, he, when he'd go, when you were down the country and he said you won Dublin's Funniest Comedian, I could hear the audience go, he said you're from Wicklow. You're like, woo! Now you mentioned about the, the, the crunch. Um, I, I totally agree. I think like, yes, you can go and do, you know, like the, the, the Battle of the Axe and all that and, and, and hone your skill. But hosting... And I, I, I've seen that, I've seen that. And, and the first time I've seen you perform is when I was doing comedy between 2012, 2015. I was living in Edinburgh, so I didn't have to travel. I didn't have to, to up sticks and leave for four weeks or three weeks to go over and do like a, a three-week run. I just yeah. had to go, I had to leave my house and, or leave my job and go to the weather gig or whatever. But you, you were doing a show called The Good, The Bad and The Irish. It was run by Gary Lynch and a Jekyll and Hyde. Do you remember that? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was I've, ages I've, ago. Was I have that a memory. the one where... I won't name him. Was that when a guy went particularly mental and started lying on the ground and screaming at people? Was a guy hosting it? Because I did a few of them for Gary. Weird, weirdly, do, do you want to know something weird? Go on. And I'll actually read this off my phone. Go on. I hadn't spoke to Gary Lynch in a few months, right? Uh-huh. And then I bought an air fryer. This is legitimately, it's just come onto my phone. Yeah. Like, right? And I bought an air fryer and I was putting up some of my Instagram about my air fryer. I bought it in Little. Okay. And I got a message from Gary about three days ago going, you are now officially an influencer. I scored myself an air fryer after seeing your pick. I am already in love with it, right? <laughs> and like, that's the first time I heard from Gary in months. And then I was like, welcome to the club. And then he just messaged me before I went on to you saying, trout and asparagus with oil and a slice of orange. Can you think of anything that's more opposite than the Jekyll and Hyde gig in Edinburgh? Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's totally true. But I, but I remember you, and the reason why I remember it because I, it's called the good, the bad, and the Irish. And I'd say oh, I was, I was bad, or like, and then you were Irish because you went up there and you really owned the kind of moment. And I think maybe the, the having the, the the MC experience gives you that because you're you're bouncing out the crowd. I remember there was a, there was a German couple, and you're like, hey, you're from Germany, and you're just having the crack and. It, it, like I know you're having the crack, but it's it's a it's a learned skill that you picked up. It's not like you just jump in and comedy's not that simple. It, it's there's a lot of structure and, and a lot of um you know rehearsals and stuff. And even to got to talk to people in the crowd, some comedians won't even go near a crowd. But you were right in there and you were just picking on them and they were laughing their head off. And that's and that was that was my first introduction to you. And I think you've you've come on leaps and bounds since then. You actually had a great time. Now, how was your first uh, first fringe experience for yourself? It was good. Like the, I, the first one I did was with a few lads. We did a show called Emerald Smiles. And it was okay. kind of like the in-betweeners movie. <laughs> we just got absolutely, like four, sorry, four. So we got absolutely wrecked. Like all mm. the drink, all the drugs. It was just carnage for, I think we were there for 12 days or something. Yeah. In this venue, it wasn't even in the fringe, man. It was on the other side of the meadows, right? Okay. And we had some crack though, like genuinely, it was, it was, it was some of the best crack. Like, I think we all got really sick during it as well. Like, yeah. we're drinking that buttercup cough syrup, you know, that stuff you get in Edinburgh. Mayhem. And then the next year, I did a show called All My Friends. Uh, yeah, I remember on the poster, actually, the aura was in brackets, so it's All My Fiends. Mm. And it was just like, it was just a, like a 50 minute show about, I was just so green, man. I, you know what I mean? It yeah. was all with my mates and mm. kind of you know I remember it, it, it was it was it was very kind of lads 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 story but that's all I had then you yeah. know what I mean that's yeah all I was about. yeah and then when your first show is like people always enjoyed it and I made a few quid and I was just so happy that people were happy leaving mm. um, and but I got but I got reviewed around I'd have been lashed out of it I reckon now when I think back in it but it was just three 15 minute sets stitched yeah. together with a loose narrative and I had like a little video thing that I'd done really crappy at the end <laughs> yeah. pictures to kind of remind everyone of the show but that was the first so I suppose so you've, you've went back every year apart, apart of course for, for this year so yeah. you, you've been there every year with a show every year or just a two-hander a three-hander or whatnot 
No, I've, well, I've done a solo every year since that year, but then I've also done a double hander with Rory O'Hanlon. I did a triple hander with, um, it was actually another Emerald Smiles, one of the lads from the original year. Okay. And then since then, I think being Rory, Jesus, man, I think we might have done the last seven years together. So we did a wow. show called uh, Afternoon Delight. This probably would have been our seventh year, I think, maybe sixth or seventh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, we did it in a few different venues. I think we were in the Globe for two years. Then we were in Whistle Binkies. We moved up two doors or whatever. And uh, that's been a lifesaver, man. That's the reason both me and Rory have filled our solo shows for the last four or five years. Because we do like our club sets at 1.30 during the day. And we'd exit flyer our solos later that day. And it is, it is the only way to consistently fill your, your mm. venue. Unless you a huge name and a huge profile. Guest spots and exit flyering are the way that you fill your solo. And it's, it's a good, it's a pure way of doing it. Because mm. someone has seen you, they like you. You're like, did you like that? Here's my show. And it's completely different material. It's an hour. So do you want to come and see it? And that's, yeah. I, I love that about Edinburgh. I think it's great that you can do that. Yeah. So you can just keep kind of just working away and just kind of getting, 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 getting your brand up a little bit. Because I've seen you a lot, a lot of time in the Cowgate flyering away the next year. And you're just kind of, and, and, and also you were, you were, well, by, by right to you, you were, you were getting your shows filled, you know, it's not like you were, you were struggling for numbers, you were getting them filled, I, you know. I, yeah, and I had like, like there's all these myths, as you well know, particularly having lived in Edinburgh, mm. me and Rory used to always take the piss when we were flyer and we meet all the lads and like some English comic going, oh mate, it's Black Wednesday, it's across the board, it's Purple Thursday, you know, all these, but like, listen, like you're going to have quiet days, you're going to yeah. have busy days, you have to put into work the work to fill your show. The yeah. easiest thing in the world is to make excuses. And that's, do you know what, man? That, that is comedy in an absolute nutshell. Yeah. Everyone who wants to be famous, no one wants to do the work. Like, you mm. know what I mean? Yeah. So in you, I think you've, you've, you've found a comedian that will, will work hard and do the show. So you've, you've, you've a, you've a good work ethic, which is important. I think, as you said, a lot of people probably don't want to do the work. They want to just, just, you know, just, just get me an agent and just get me, totally get me on the biggest man. stage and I'll do it. You know? I've, I've had I've had a, I've had a few agents over the years, and to be honest with you, I'm I'm agentless for the last year, and my career has never been stronger. Mm. And what happens with a lot of people, I think, as well, is that they'll get an agent and they put the feet up and they think, oh, I don't really have to do anything now. I have an agent, and it's the same with telly. Like you get a bit of telly, and mm-hmm. you're like, right now, I'll just put the feet up. Like me and Damo have a, a TV show streaming now. And I've never worked harder because now I have to work to get people to watch that TV show. Yeah. Whereas some people would be more inclined. Well, I'm on telly now, uh, you know, bring the fame to me. And it's, it just doesn't work like that yeah. anymore. It isn't the way it is, you know? The, the thing is, like, whenever... An, I kind of... I, I'm, I'm that kind of person who, who will look over and see what other comedians are doing. So I was always watching your feed coming up on Facebook. And, and there was envy. And then I'd, I'd see recent, a while back you were signed by an agent. And I thought whenever a comedian is signed by an agent, that's it. You're, you're sorted. You know, you're going to get gays consistently. Is that the case or, or do, do gays come and go? Absolutely not. Like I, I'm with a new agent now actually uh, over in the UK. And we're yeah. doing some great work. And I actually haven't even mentioned it mm. online or like that because it's, it's not important right now. We're not mm. doing live right now. Yeah. They've taken Garden Gigs UK and they're trying to run with that. And we're like busy with our own stuff at the moment. And, there's no point in going to have a new agent. There's no, there's no live gigs at the moment. It yeah, yeah. We're working towards something bigger. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I've, I've just seen, I, I, I've, I've learned a lot from my own mistakes and I've learned a lot from watching other people's mistakes. And uh, like, I just see brilliant acts and they'll get an agent and they put the feet up and then two years later, they've, they've lost whatever that fire was. Do you know what I mean? So if yeah. you do get, if you have a particularly good year or you get a little bit of telly or you have a couple of videos that go viral or you have a podcast that really blows up, yeah. then you have to absolutely drop everything else and go for it as hard as you can because that might be the only window that you ever get. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You might, you yeah. might, you might never get that flash in the pan again. Mm. And for some people to put their feet up then and then they never recover from it, man. And that's why I think a lot of people are bitter and comedy, you know, it doesn't work out for them because they think it's never going to end. Well, you were always like a funny kind of uh, lad growing up, or or, or did you yeah, just... I, I, I loved having the crack, and I loved telling stories, and yeah. even when I did, I'd love, like, I'd do impressions of other family members, or I'd always take people off, you know what I mean, whether it was yeah. school or 
And I, do, I just liked it. And I, I just think Irish people naturally are storytellers. You know, we, we are a story. And one thing as well in my family, I don't know if this is the same for you, but say yeah. you're sitting around at Christmas. If I tell a story as a kid, if it wasn't funny or there was no point within 30 seconds, I'd have one of my uncles just be like, here, hurry it up, will you? What's the point? Like, they'd be, they'd be on you going, get to the point. Yeah. And I think that's the best training ground you could ever have as a comic because there's no messing, man. They won't yeah. indulge you. No, you know totally. I mean? They won't indulge your art. You <laughs> <laughs> in the back of the head if you don't finish the story or if you don't shut up wrecking whatever they're watching, you know? I'd say now I'm sure you got this as well when you start doing comedy and then your mates start like trying to be funnier than you because they think oh comedy's easy but it's not that easy it's very much a, like it's a, it's the craft it's like a trade you you have to work yeah. at it but they guys trying, trying to outshine you trying to tell jokes around the girls or whatever go look I'm funnier than he is but you get on stage and you kill it on stage and like yeah I, I've had that one of my best pals lives over in the UK and uh, it, like anytime we we've traveled all over the world together and. He constantly says that. Like, that's his go-to line. Mm. He's like, comedian, but all the funnier. Yeah. And I'm like, and he is a lot of the time, but I'm like, yeah, man, it's being funny with it with the lad. Like, if only yeah. it was that simple. I don't, imagine <laughs> if, Jesus Christ, man, I'd love to not have to write a show every year. If I could just get up and chat like I do to my mates in the pub, um, yeah. you know, and not have to write a brand new show and die with bits of material for a year, Oh, Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? That's a, you'd love to be able to do that, but it doesn't work like that, unfortunately. I'm, I'm similar. What age are you, Danny, yourself? 36. Yeah, I'm 35. So we're in the same kind of like uh, generation. I, I don't think I'm a millennial. I don't know what I'm a millennial. I don't feel like a millennial. I feel I'm, like, just about, I'm, yeah. I'm not a millennial, man. But even though I only found this out about a year ago, by the way, yeah. I'm technically a millennial. But I'm like, man, I didn't even have a laptop in college. I think that gets me out of being a millennial. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. If you didn't have a laptop in college, you're not a millennial. I grew up in Wicklow. I didn't have the internet in my gas. Like, I'm not even joking. I had no. two stations. I had RT1 and 2. That was it. Like, That's not bad, I guess. Well, or, well, it depends what was on RT, I guess. But uh, there you go. Uh, so basically, you talk about your friends and all being funny and stuff. And it's, it's not that easy being like funny as a, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, when you, like, you come up with like a story or a joke, I'm sure you have this. It's like you want to bottle that. You want to bottle the essence of what that is for like a show yeah. idea and, and you want to come up with that essence on a stage. And it's very hard to kind of bottle that. How do you come yeah. up with inspiration for shows? Like, like do, you, do you go away to a quiet place and to like a wooded area or do you have creatives around you giving you inspiration? How does that work? Yeah, I, I, I have to do stuff. Like the only way I can write a new show every year is by doing stuff Yeah, and, and writing a show around those experiences. Like, I know comics going, yeah, I was in, you know, I sat down, I did four or five hours writing today. That, that is not me. I have about 800 notes on my phone mm. and I don't even read. I just write a sentence or write a word or think of something funny and I'll go blah, blah, blah. But like when last year, last year's show, which is kind of still weirdly continuing, it should be well over now. I should be doing a new show now. Yeah. Because everything can push forward, I'm actually going to still do some tour dates in the autumn. Let's go. The last show was called um, Reformer, and I gave up. I decided I had a really bad knee injury, and it was really messing me up. Kept locking up when I was driving. It was mm -hmm. making getting a nightmare. It was just really. I know it sounds so trivial, and there's people with like actual disability, but it was it was wrecking my buzz. And I was at the Edinburgh Fringe. I remember it locking up. I nearly got hit by you know the Lothian buses that yeah. hit everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could back him like, man, I need to deal with this did like loads of physio. I was in Australia on a tour and this other comic jumped me. We were drunk and my knee hyperextended the wrong way. And I had a torn ACL and meniscus and did that very Irish thing of just leaving it for about a year, thinking it'll get better. Yeah, just walk worse, off. worse, worse. Yeah, so I was, <laughs> I was basically told I had to get a complete knee reconstruction, Oof. which was gonna put me out for, I think it could be up to eight months. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm a self-employed comic. And I'd like, I was full-time, I'm a full-time comic. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't gig, I don't pay my rent. Like, it's, mm -hmm. it's you know, there's, there's no backup here, man. There's no pen, there's no sick pay. No, there's Stanford, no safety net. You know? No, no, no. Exactly. I said, right, is there anything else? And I, I just tried basic training. And I was, um, I went to this trainer down the road. That's where I was actually was this evening before this. And I just told him to crack. And he's like, if you stick to what I tell you, I'll fix your knee. And this after like months and months and months of rehab, which did help a bit, but didn't fix it. So I stuck to him. So, but I also gave up sugar booze, uh, class A's, anything bold. So I did all this 
whilst trying to fix my knee um, while I was writing the show. And then, like, last year was a bit mad. Like, obviously, Sean Hughes passed away, like Brendan Grace. And I read this article in The Guardian about comedians having the lowest life expectancy of anyone in entertainment. I'm not sure if you saw that. But, like, a lot of people sent that to me as well. And I was like, yeah, nice one. Cheers. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I think it's true. Like, I think because, like, you know, it's, it's kind of like sending the clown sort of thing. Like, look at Robin, Robin Williams. Yeah. What a yeah. talented, and I, and he was into the class A's apparently as well, you know. But he 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 was the life and soul of the party. But no one really knew what was going on, and because so, like yeah. like I mean like you're on the road a lot of time, you're probably alone yeah. a lot of time, you're in your own little world, you know. So there totally, and that's well, one thing I really I really can't stand with the, with social media in particular is is the hate and this like this like malicious like behavior of people on social media attacking people and just really you have no idea i used to be a social care worker i worked in youth justice i worked as a youth worker for years before that you have no idea when you're tweeting at anyone or you're sending them a horrible message you've no idea what's going on in that person's head and you've no idea what's going on in their life and you've no idea what kind of life they've had and people are so quick to just really write horrific things at people and I'm like, man, have a think about it. Like, because you could literally be that person that pushes someone over the edge. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, and it, totally. And the, the internet is, like, one thing I'll say about this whole pandemic in particular, it's really shone a light on the best in people and the absolute worst in people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Particularly yeah. online. And, like, I, I, I had someone had a go at me. Um, I was doing gigs in Dubai, and it was the first proper gigs I'd done in months, right? And uh, I had someone to send me a really, really horrible message saying, uh, you need to ease up on the positivity. Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're losing fans by the day. And I was like, like, and I'm like, and so I just said, listen, I'm sorry if you feel like that. But I said, I'm trying to give a bit of a glimmer of hope that there's a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel and we're back gigging again. And, you know, yeah. we're trying to wake up. Instead of just being negative all the time, we're trying to give people a bit, and this, but it wasn't being braggy about gigging. I was just saying it's great to be gigging, you know, blah blah blah. And then they wrote a big apology. Oh, sorry, I was drunk. I was just like, I'm like, man, yeah. Have a think about, have a think about what you're gonna say, you know. You're actually a real person behind behind the social media, and yeah. you have real feelings. You know what I mean? Uh, when yeah. you start, when you start seeing these people post big long winded, uh, you know, responses. Then the people yeah. go, oh, this person's real. This person does feel what I feel. Yeah, man, like life is short. Like, and yeah. I, I, I really, do you know what? The people I pity the most are those people who wake up and spend eight to 10 hours on Twitter every day. I think that is the saddest, saddest way to, to, to live and to just be, I'm just, I'm not talking about being funny. I'm talking about just hate. When yeah. I'm talking about like people who just live on, or any social media medium, whatever, yeah. Facebook, Instagram. But, um, I find Twitter's kind of got quite toxic in the last while, so I just try and keep it as a my work thing, and then or news, work and news and sport, and leave it at that. You know. Yeah, yeah, positive. Yeah. So when you, when you had this uh, injury, did did it make it reflect a little bit on yourself, or did you just kind of? Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Like I, I kind of started questioning my own behaviour. I mean, like there's there's addiction in in both sides of my my family, you know, as I'm sure there is in pretty much every Irish family, particularly around alcohol and stuff like that. Yeah. And then. While I was doing all that, one of my friends actually passed away in Canada last year. Um, and when I was in a WhatsApp group with him and three other friends, and it really messed us up, like all of us. And I, like really bad, like it was, it was just so out of the blue. And um, he, he, took some, um, he took some tablets basically after drinking and some really, really strong painkillers. And he just, he just stopped breathing and that was the end of that. Like, and uh, I remember just like getting a, a WhatsApp uh, from his partner from his hospital bed, sending a picture of a tattoo that he had on his arm, uh, which is actually um, it was it was Irish from the Blasket Island people, and it basically translates to "My likes will never be seen again." And oh, wow. he was still connected to the machine, but he was gone. Yeah. And then, like a few days later, they switched off the machine, and that was the end of it. Like, yeah. and you know, like I just saw what that did. Like two of my friends ended up going into rehab mm. they had other stuff going on but this was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back do you know what i mean and i like like you know yourself like particularly edinburgh and stuff like that you look at how hard people hit it like comedians are just dropping man and you're just seeing people you've worked with and they just go they just go one day you know what i mean yeah, and you yeah. really gotta go 
you li- I love, man, I love the sesh. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love pints. I love having the crack. Yeah. But you really have to go. Is it where, especially at our age, you've yeah. got to pick your bottles. I'm sure you're the same. No, definitely. I, I could drink two, two nights a week and that would probably be total. That's, that's me done, yeah. done dusted. Yeah, done dusted. I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I'm like, just in that industry, especially in Edinburgh, like, you know what I mean? It's, everyone's just going mad and they're just that and the other. And I'm like, if you want to do this as a career, it also makes you shit performer, by the way. If you're on the piss all the time, you cannot be sharp on stage. No. You can't be. You can't, I don't care. I get people saying, this, oh, yeah, he's a legend. All these comics, they drink every day. And I'm like, you cannot be a good comic if you're pissed all the time. I don't care what people say. Let's look at uh, Dylan Moore, for example. Remember, the, the, he used to go carry a glass of wine on stage. Yeah. I'm sure after a while, that didn't, he didn't actually drink all the time. There's no way. I know he's, he's a clever comedian. and He's and, nearly and, a character piece. Yeah, and he's, that's essentially he, it. He took the wine out then. Yeah. It was just a part of his persona. Yeah. Where he just pretended to be, and it worked, and it was brilliant. Mm. Oh, totally. Now, I'm going to bring Bill, Bill Burr up, because Bill Burr, for your generation... Uh, even an older generation and even a younger generation, Bill Burr is is the man. Everyone like if you look at oh, Bill Burr, you got Dave Chappelle. How did yeah. how did how did you get to uh, to be uh, to be supporting Bill in Dublin there in 2018? How did that come about? Um, I got a call. It's it's funny, right? Out out there in in the hallway in my apartment, yeah. I have a I have a sign. Uh, it, it, it got made for me as a present because I read this quote in 2014. And it was Bill Burr in some interview, and it said, um, I think he was asking, like, you know, are women as funny as men? It was this kind of thing. And instead of getting into any kind of gender argument, he said, when was the last time that you went on stage and you killed it so fucking hard that the person after you bombed? And he said, if you keep doing that on a regular basis, people are going to notice. Kill, 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 and the rest will take care of itself. Yeah. And I, I, I just loved it. I loved that quote and I looked at it and I, I got given it as a present and it's, it's literally up there. Um, and I looked at it every day, like genuinely, like, you know, I'm not staring, you know, it's just, you'd see it every day. And I was driving from, I think I was driving the west of Ireland. I was driving down to Connemara uh, to see a mate of mine after doing a gig in Limerick or something. And I got a call from Brent Berry, who's uh, Aiken Promotions. And he said, um, Bill Burr's gigging in three arena next week i thought he was saying do you want like a guest pass or something i was like sound then he goes uh your your name came up um and i was like i thought it was in trouble or something i was like what and he goes your name came up in the office um and like i had no agent or anything like that you know there wasn't with any agents around in ireland yeah and uh, he goes would you be up for it and i was like i nearly crashed the car I was like yeah obviously like i was trying to not be a little you know be like oh, and i was like yeah i was like yeah of course he goes listen there's no guarantees your name's going forward with other names and the management need to have a look at your clips. So will you send me over uh, your bio and your clips and all that kind of stuff? So I sent them over and then I got a call uh, like a couple of days later saying they're happy with you to do the gig. Um, and it was, I, was, I couldn't believe them. I nearly didn't believe it until it happened, you know what I mean? I, I was writing my, my set. I was only, of course I was going to do a set that was bulletproof like I wasn't gonna be doing new stuff I had to make sure it was like you know whatever but I was down in Sandy Mount Beach is about five ten minutes from where I live and I was sitting on the beach it was really nice out it was, it was July like so I was sitting there writing my set and then the, the he rang me again and it was the gig was on a Tuesday and this was Monday and he rings me and goes um listen uh is it all right if Bill comes in and does the crunch tonight like, obviously, keep it quiet because you can imagine if we said Bill Burrs and that, you know, it would be mayhem. Like, you'd, you'd have hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we told, we told a few comics, listen, lads, come in, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he came in, man, totally unassuming. Came in with Bren, flat cap on. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. And uh, I, I wanted to impress him, so I did, like, a really strong bit before I brought him on. And then as he's coming up, this is like the six, 70 people, you know? And then he went on and he was trying out a few bits and some bits did great and some bits didn't like, and you can see him working with it. And he, I remember him just going, all right, you didn't like that? And there was a lot of tourists there that didn't know who the fuck he was. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because not every country or every nationality, not every Irish person is into Bill Burry, you know? No, so I know not, he, no. There's a lot of people who, who didn't know who he was and it was really weird watching that. And then the next night, those bits that he tried, he saw him change and develop them yeah. and just absolutely tear it. But like, I, I went down to, this is so Irish as well. 
I went down to the three arena and I just walked down. I was like, this is so surreal. Because it's just you, like, it's just you and him. There's no one else there. It's not like there's other comics knocking around. And I went to the side door of the three arena and it was like, I went to the box office, I'd uh, hear him doing a gig. They said, go to the side door. And there's just this like metal door, like just like where they bring the, the prop. Like it's just like big, massive metal door. And it was just a jar. So I was just like, Rrr! I was just a guy sitting there in a high vis having a smoke, right? I'm here to do the Bill Burr support, right? And he goes, I hope you are. Right? And that was it. <laughs> and like, we've been actually drinking whiskey with Bill in the stag head the night before. And he was showing us all these videos of his, him and his brother had done up an old car for his dad. And they'd given it to him for like a birthday present. He was showing us all these videos and stuff like that. And uh, when I went in, he was signing posters for merch, you know, for after the show. And he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And just signing away. And then I went into the, I was there like two hours earlier. I didn't know what to be doing with myself. And then I got a knock on the door from the, the stage manager and she goes, the big man wants to see you. And I thought it was like, you know, Peter Aiken or Brent Berry. And I was like, oh, is everything okay? And I went out and he goes, uh, she just points at Bill's dressing room. So I went in and this, I was in there with him for about an hour. I was drinking herbal tea, eating fruit, um, just chatting to him about, about comedy and, um, and about loads of different comedians and stuff like that. And it was mental, man. I, I, it was it was really surreal, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's great. Now, 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 if you think about, if you let's think back to being Dublin's best uh, funniest comic, that they may have looked at that on your CV and said, "Here, we need this guy, Dublin's funniest comic, and Bill Burr." Yeah, maybe, man. I, I, I don't know. Like all those little things add up. They're, yeah, you know, know, they're not like unless if you win, so you think you're funny. Saying that, right? Even if you, some comics have won, so you think you're funny. Actually, yeah. Lee, for example. And yep. absolutely stratospherically skyrocketed, but she had loads of other stuff going on and she just utilized it to the absolute best. Then there's other comics who won it and they weren't even in Edinburgh the next year. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, like, I, I see that stuff and I'm like, man, if I ever get any good big opportunity, like when, that's why I asked Bill Burr for a quote when I come off stage, like literally when I come off stage, I said, can I get a quote off you? Because I was like, I'm never going to see, I might never see him again. He's not, I'm not going to email him. Yeah. And I was like, I'll just say, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, yeah, fucking, uh, he opened me at the three arena and he fucking murdered it. And I literally put that on my poster. And that's what helped sell the shit out of my Edinburgh show that year, you know? Yeah. It, well, well kill us one team and murdered it is, is from a Bostonian, yeah. a very angry Bostonian. I love his, <laughs> I watch Ephesus Family, man. Ephesus Family is off it's the so charts. It's so good. Isn't it? It's, it's so good. Well, there's a, there's a darkness about it. I love it, man. It, it, oh, it's very dark. It is very dark. But also... Sam Rockwell. It's, it, it's Sam Rockwell. So good. Isn't it? Well. Hey, man. I love all the characters, man. I think it's great. Like, yeah. I might actually watch a few episodes after this now. It's he was talking head. to me about yeah. that then because it hadn't actually come out yet. And he was saying, oh, I'm doing this cartoon thing. And now you see it. And you're like, oh. And then it's mental because he was showing us videos of his dad. And like, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. it's just this little old gray-haired old man. And him and his brother are like doing yeah. this really nice, like, family moment where they're showing him this car. And it's all a little bit emotional and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah, man, it's, it was mental. I actually, I was actually at the gig. I was, I was in row Z in the center. I was right in the center and I was looking, I, I said to my friend, I know that comedian, that's Daniel yeah. Bryan. And it didn't surprise me that you were on stage there because I could see you had something, you know, and Bill obviously seeing your stuff or whoever works for Bill goes, we want this guy. He's not going to up, he's not going to uh, 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 upstage him too much, but you, yeah. you, you, you killed it, man. It was a really good set. You were fucking. Because yeah, yeah. you know what happened with the mic at the start. So, the reason that he walked on stage at the start of that gig, this is the most Irish thing ever, right? Yeah. The biggest gig ever. There was over 7,000 people there. Me, yeah. Bill, it was like, I felt like a boxer or something because they just knocked on the door and they're like, ready? <laughs> right? And yeah, the ones right. with the there with Bill and, and Bren. So, the three of them, like, they were my two dads. Like, they like walked me to the mic and. The side, it's, it's mental because you think, you know, such a massive mm. thing, but it's just, his setup is so simple. It was a side mic and a stage mic. No difference yeah. to any setup at any small theater or whatever show, whatever you want to do. And the tech had gone for a fucking smoke, right? Oh, he was yeah, gone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I'm like, are you fucking for real? So he goes to introduce me. He goes, you want me to introduce you? And he was just going to go, ladies and gentlemen, well, I've got a sport act, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's off. It's not working. Right, so he walks on stage. So 
obviously 7,000 people go absolutely fucking bananas. I'm yeah. standing there, oh my fucking God. And then, <laughs> then he goes, all right, I think I have a video of this. He goes, all right, calm down, calm down, calm down. He goes, I got a support act. He's great. Ladies and gentlemen, Danny O'Brien. And that was the longest fucking walk. I could just hear people going like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it probably wouldn't seem that long watching it. But for me, I was like, it was, and it, it took like a minute or two to get into it. You know what I mean? To get the yeah. first couple of laughs and then it, it was okay, you know? No, it was, it was, it was, it was tight. I mean, and um yeah, you just you just brought it, you know, because you're with Bill. So like that, look, the pressure of of obviously supporting Bill, obviously, thought, look, I got to give my best. So you just you just went out there and just goes, just kick the door down and just go, look, this is me. Do you like me? Mm-hmm. And they did like you, even though like they'd hair for Bill, you know. It's like yeah, of course, of course, you know, yeah. But at, the, at the end of it, um, Tommy, Tommy Tiernan, who was like Bill and Tommy are my, you know, probably Bill, Tommy, and probably um, Billy Conley. Yeah, are probably three kind of definitely my top three comedy idols that I always yeah, yeah. kind of the most and but when the house lights come up after my set about three rows back from the front it was Tommy and okay. his son and he's wearing his, he's wearing his hat like the, the kind of fedora type thing and then two seats down from him was Jim Jim from Jim Jim and Nobby <laughs> I know Jim Jim but it was like I was like thank fuck I didn't see them at the start or the, you know what I mean yeah. you know what I mean and like I knew loads of people I knew were there but I didn't want to be seen like I come out, I'm talking to you and looking at you, you'd be like, "Oh Christ!" Like there's no, yeah, there's no getting away from it. But the thing is, it's such such a big venue, you don't see anybody. You just see how how a wave of people in front of you. Just just perform. You gotta give it. Yeah. I actually learned a lot from the, which I'm sure you're familiar with, is the Bill Burr Philadelphia incident. Uh, it's only no. actually audio. There's no footage of it. The footage is filmed atrociously. Like you can't even see it. And I remember listening to it years beforehand where he basically is doing a gig to, I think it's 11, he's part of some lineup. I think it's yeah. at a baseball stadium or I don't know whether it's in between a baseball, whatever. There's 11,000 people there. Okay. And every comic that's on is just getting absolutely murdered by him. Like, absolutely. Like, they're just horrific. They're just booing. It's just like yeah. a, an abuse fest, like throwing shit at them. And Bill went out and he did, I think he did 11 minutes, right? And he just goes and he goes, all right, shut the fuck up, you fucks. He's like, I hope you get cancer. And he's like, you don't even have to shave your fucking heads because you're bald already, you fucking fuck. And he just goes boom, 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 boom. Uh, and they go from slowly, right? So he, And then he goes, 10 minutes. And then he does another minute of abuse, right? And then he goes, nine minutes. And then he starts winning the most. It's one of the most impressive things you will ever listen to in your life. Those 30 years of experience. Yeah. And he's Boom, boom, and he just wins them over. And by yeah. the end of by the last three minutes, they're cheering him. Yeah. It's incredible. It's an incredible thing to listen to. And I remember looking at that going, take your pause every time you do a bit, you know, let it absorb into the size of the crowd. Because it yeah. takes time to get through a big audience. You yeah. know what I mean? A ripple effect, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Now let's go, let's talk about the garden gigs uh, very quickly. So who, uh, how did the garden gigs come, come about? Did you come up with the garden gig idea? Who came up with the idea for the garden gigs? So myself and Damo were asked to do, a, I think it was, it was called the Stay Day Parade. So Pieta House, um, I, I, well, I, I actually met this guy called Keith O'Brien who lives down in Rings End, which is a like, 10, 15 minute walk for me. And he's one of my mate's first cousins. And he was... I was walking a neighbor's dog during lockdown to give me something to do because she has health issues, so she wasn't able to leave the gaff. Yeah. So I went down to the flats and my mate goes, why don't you call down to my cousin? Maybe we could do a gig in the flats or something like that. You know what I mean? Because they were doing all the balcony bingo. And I went down and met him and he said, oh, I'm actually doing this thing tomorrow where I'm going to climb the height of Mount Everest over a week by going up and down the flats 886 times. Right, so he's doing eight hours a day of going up and down, up and down for Mental. a week. Wow, yeah, and then loads of other people. So it was mentally successful, like absolute mm. hero, community. It was an incredible thing to see. And mm. then he said, I think I don't know what day that was, but he said, anyway, on Monday, we're doing this stay day parade, you should come down. And then he said, Do you want to maybe do a set of it? So we did it, we did a gig on like an old bowling kind of I don't know what you call it, you know, that blue fabric with the bull bowls. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bowls, yeah, yeah. Bowling yeah. on type thing, just a yeah. blue stretch canvas. I know, yeah, yeah. And we had a full, basically, we had like a PA and all that set up, and there was about eleven chairs with like local football jerseys on the chairs. Then they had a camera crew about Jesus man, probably about fifty feet away, 
and they were filming it for Facebook Live and they had a PA system and everything. And me and Damo had to do a gig to people all around the railings. So like the closest person to us was maybe 30, 20 feet. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, it was awkward. Like it was tough. We had a really good crack. And then we were asked by another guy uh, called Derek Buckley who'd been doing bingo down the flats. He said, do you want to come down and do a bit of comedy, lads? Yeah. We were like, yeah, yeah. So then we went down, we, we got a clip up and this was like at the absolute start. Like this was early, early May. And then we put a, we got it, we filmed the clip. It was chaos. Like it was a mental gig to do. We were also really happy to be gigging. Then the clip kind of went a bit viral and then Chortle, the UK comedy website, picked it up and they were like, comedians did a gig in council flats and they absolutely killed it and blah, blah, blah. And then that kind of grew. And then we were like, like let, we were just I was like I was trying to think of something to do like how can we get gigging again do you know what I mean yeah so it's like we'll just go to PA and I was like we'll call us think about that so, so let's call it garden gigs so we can gig in people's back gardens like I I paid to do that you know what I mean oh, I yeah. saw some people around the world that done it before in like Australia and Canada and stuff like that and then it just kind of went from there and it, like the flats were actually our bread and butter but then um we filmed that special down in O'Reilly House so we 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 did a few of them. Then we filmed a special down there and then we managed to get that onto telly. And like, none of this would ever happen. Like I've been getting rejected by TV for 10 years. Like they won't even, our main broadcaster won't even respond to your, like you won't even get a no, you'll just get ignored. Like, yeah, yeah. You won't even get a no, you'll just get ignored. I've done radio pilots, you name it. I've done yeah. it with loads of different people and loads of different concepts and that, that, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I was like, to me, they will keep taking the piss going, like, it's taking a pandemic to get us on telly. Like. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I haven't seen that Virgin Media thing. Is it on the website or? It's on their player at the moment and it's going Great. to be broadcast soon. And then I think once it's broadcast, it'll be on the on-demand thing. Great. But uh, it's quite funny today, uh, one of the lads who was filming, so we met this deadly production. This all happened last minute, by the way. Yeah. This production we called Defiant said, oh, if you ever want to film it, and then our other camera guy cancelled. So we literally got them 24 hours notice, and they filmed and helped us produce a TV quality thing with 24 hours notice, no budget. Like, And then one of the other lads who was shooting something else for a documentary, he actually sent us a screen grab today of the Virgin Media app, and it says that our lockdown special is most popular, followed by Midsummer Murders and Coronation Street. <laughs> the demo was like, "Yeah, take that, Midsummer Murders." I, I see, I seen that on, on his uh, stories. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> now, anything else? Anything else? I know you got. I'm, so the thing is, I, I know you, 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 you had plans for a book and a podcast. How is that coming yeah. along? Are you gonna? Are you still gonna write that book? You're a foodie. Yeah, you're a big foodie. I'm food obsessed, man. Absolutely food obsessed. And then I did a thing when I got, I was in America when this all came, happened. So I think I got back in the, I flew back on Paddy's Day, actually. I got back to, like late that night. Yeah. And then I was self-isolating or whatever. And then from the 18th of March, I said, right, I'm going to do a different recipe every day. Uh, just to give me, I'm always cooking. I just like a bit of crack. I did not think we were going to be in lockdown. So I ended up doing 60 days, a different recipe every day for 60 days. I'm putting up stories and all that on Instagram. I actually got a lot of followers out of it, which is kind of hurtful to my comedy career, if I'm honest. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, I used to I write for Love and I used, I write for Love and Dublin, Love and Dublin. Yeah. Did like reviews. Now, they're not like the Guardian. Like I write them like I, I do comedy. I just I just honest. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I yeah, think yeah. People just want to know what the crack is. Yeah, break it down. Um, like I mean, like yeah. I watch I watch Master Chef and. All these words yeah. like truffles and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, like yeah. I don't know what that. I I I've never been to a, a five star restaurant or whatever a Michelin star restaurant. Yeah, Michelin, yeah. I I just love it, man. And I I think there's a lot of lads like me in my age who just want to be able to cook stuff. And I'm like, yeah. like comedians are, are are often seen as the most useless human beings as adults when they're trying to function as adults. So I I, I come up with this kind of hashtag dov cooks. And uh, I just kept using it. So I'm, I'm writing a breakfast cookbook actually at the moment. That's cool. Because the garden gig stuff is now kind of getting really popular and we're after buying an outdoor venue today. Yeah. Um, and, and then the TV thing and then we have two other TV things that are happening as well. So the book's kind of been put in the back burner, cause, which is a good complaint, you know what I mean? Yeah, not but a bad complaint. You got you to you gotta do the work when the work's here. Like the book, I can, I'll, I'll get it done by next year. Yeah. Um, and then I, uh, I, I started a food podcast as well, but I, I'm actually doing a little food series. I'm actually going tomorrow 
Um, I'll actually tell you now, it's called Danny O'Brien's Food Porn. The first little mini series of it is going to be on food trucks around Dublin. Is it going to be on like a YouTube or what are you going to, are you going to have? Yeah, we're looking at, we might, might be getting on a telly as well, but I will definitely be on online in some shape or form. I actually kind of prefer online. I think it's more accessible and easier. Yeah. And that's another project. And then if that gets a bit of traction, that'll then help shift the book and all that kind of crack, you know? Yeah, that's great. Now also you have a couple more gigs coming up. Uh, You've got a few actual, actual gigs coming up or what's the plan? Yeah, man, real world gigs. So myself and Damo, um, we connected with the Wild Duck, which used to be Sin nightclub. You remember that in town? I remember Uh, Sin, but I walked past the Wild Duck the other day and it's a lovely, it's a lovely facade on the front. It's beautiful. It's a lot different from what Sin used to be. I'll tell you that. There's a guy who owned it, it's a guy called Gary Whelan, and he used to, he started Whelan's back ah, in the day, right? Yes. And uh, he's an old uh, English actor, he's a really, really cool dude, and then there's a promoter there called Barry Hartigan, who I've known for years, I meet him mm. at Stag's he's a journalist, he's done some interviews with me, so I just, I know him for like, for ages, like, That's great. and he's, um, he was like, you know, he's interested in doing comedy, and so we were like, yeah, so we're like, we're trying to get to go in, we're measuring tapes and all that kind of stuff. And so we're doing it, we're launching it tomorrow night. So the first gig is actually uh, a couple of my friends are nurses in St. James's. And I, was, I managed to get a bit of PPE gear for them and they couldn't get any through mm. one of my, my uncle uh, works and that kind of crack. So he got me that. Yeah. So we are doing a gig for Frontline, predominantly that wing in St. James's, all socially distanced, limited capacity, all that stuff. So it's That's me, great. Daniel, Pedro Kane. And then we've got another show then for punters, but they're both gone sold out like yeah um, and then we've got carl spain on the 3rd of september we've got enya martin in october and cool. it, it's going to be slowly we, we we just have to adhere like we have to just keep the numbers to what the government are asking us to do at the moment and hopefully when that changes then whatever but man i'm just so excited about gigging it's it's like wheel it's actually kind of similar to wheelands but i'm so excited to be gigging inside on a stage you know what i mean so Whelan's like a stage about two or three feet up in the air sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Grand, yeah, yeah. It'll be similar to the way a restaurant is nearly set up. So if you, if you book your group of six, the six sit, sit together, you know, there's yeah. two, four, and it's like that. And it's t- like no one has, the amount of work that has gone into it, like yeah. that's what I'm going to be doing for the rest of the evening is sorting out all the other bits and pieces. Of, yeah. But I think we're the first proper, we're definitely the first proper live indoor comedy gig since March. People need a man comedy, like I mean, especially like like you can do it outdoor gigs, but comedy at at its at its best is indoors in that kind of like like the comedy crunch. Like I'd imagine I've never been to that venue. I I tried to get a gig one time, but I I just I, I don't know. I forgot about it. I was I, I was living in Edinburgh. I tried to I asked you for a gig, and I just said I wasn't. I'm not going to be in Dublin anytime soon, so I just let someone else take the gig or whatever. You know, yeah, yeah. You, you were to give me a five minutes and. If I died my hole, so be it. That's the game you play. Seven minutes, man. We're not monsters. <laughs> no, but like... Seven, seven to ten. If it's going well, ten. If it's not, seven. You get, you get the hook out. No, but it, the comedy crunch looks cool. It looks like like everyone's on top of you, and it's a real kind of like... Oh, you know, I, I miss it so much, genuinely, and it's the only reason I have got to where I am career-wise, because it gave me a, a platform yeah. to gig every single away for two three months if it's in yeah. australia or whatever but yeah that, that was sunday monday tuesday nights man that's where that was the gym that's where you did your work that's how the only way i was able to turn over a new show every year yeah was by was by just hammering out little bits little bits little bits you know what i mean mm-hmm. trying it out every night every night and then um, yeah I, I really miss it so hopefully we can get back there someday you know that's cool Danny, it's been awesome to talk to you. Uh, we've we've talked a lot, of, uh, a lot of there's a lot of stuff that that's going to go in. Again, uh, best of luck with with all the projects. You have got loads to do. Hopefully, Damo uh, chips in. I, I, I was speaking to him the other day. He said he said you had the brains of the operation, and that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Damo, like there's there's very few comics in the world um, that can make something like this work. And Damo yeah. turns up and delivers. 100 percent of the time yeah and whatever about admin and this that and the other man all that stuff it, it that that's that's listen you, you just do that stuff or you can get help with that or you can do whatever but the most important thing is someone consistently turning up and someone consistently ripping it whether it's outside whether it's in a shed whether it's yeah. online and that's that's the sign of a true comic man which demo yeah. is and not like not a lot of comics can do these gigs because they're hard they're yeah. really fucking hard i mean you know at dublin like a dublin audience can be tough 
would you say? Yeah. A Dublin audience outside in the flats while there's kids zipping past you on razor scooters <laughs> or holding a water pistol at yeah. you or someone shouting at you from a balcony and it's also starting to rain and there's also an ice cream truck coming into the estate and it's windy and the mud. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like you, you're jumping. You're, you have to work so hard to keep people's attention. They're good crack. Yeah. But geez, man, if you, like this, you know those Edinburgh shows you go to, someone might do this yeah. big long-winded, indulgent 12-minute story that doesn't really go anywhere yeah. because it's an festival people will give them the time because we're exactly. here for the arts. you don't get away with that man if, if you're no. not get to the, like what i was saying earlier if you don't get there because they'll just go with their phone or get up yeah or, exactly yeah they'll go i'm going for a I'm going for gas, like, <laughs> oh man oh no it's been awesome to talk to you uh thanks for sharing uh some of your story during lockdown and again this came out of lockdown so at least something good came out of lockdown for you a lot of things came out of lockdown so onwards and upwards okay. Yeah, and a lot, a, lot, a lot of good stuff, I think, is going to come out of this as well. For all yeah. the negativity, a lot of good, a lot of communities have really connected. And I think we needed, Ireland in particular, we needed a bit of a wake-up call, man. We were very, yeah. back in 2006, everyone was kind of losing the run of themselves, living their hashtag best lives, myself included, man. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, I think, I think a lot of us are going to come out of this better people in, yeah. in a lot of ways. I think so. It's a lot of self-reflection because everyone, it's not just like China has been affected. Everyone has been affected. You know what I mean? So it's a collective, you know, which we are, we have to move away from that individual kind of mindset to be a collective. And we've actually, I think, I think our community has come together and you've shown that with the, with the gigs and and people getting behind, uh, you know, your funny kind of uh, setups and all that kind of stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. So, yeah, best of luck, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. And uh, best of luck with the podcast. When you get it up, I'll share it on all mediums as well. Lovely. Yeah. All right, man. All right, take it easy. Yeah. All right. See you. See you. Bye. 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 Yes, that was Danny O'Brien. Very funny guy and a very busy man at this stage. If you enjoyed what you're here, guys, let me know how the podcast is going. I've got more special guests coming in the remaining weeks of August. And remember, guys, you're always welcome here in Heartlines. Take it easy. Bye bye.